Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. Today, I am speaking to the developer relations team from askui.com, Johannes Dienst and Apurva Tiwari. This episode is a kind of case study for how askui.com has engaged with their developer audience. They provide a locally installed tool to do automation for your applications. That represents some interesting challenges because you have to get the developer to install and run your tool locally. But the other really interesting thing that we discuss in this podcast is how to execute a remote online hackathon that runs over multiple days. If you've ever run hackathons, like I have, on location, it can be kind of stressful because will everything actually work across the wide range of machines that people bring? But when you do it remote and online over a number of days, everything can be much more relaxed, much more easygoing. You have time to support the participants and you can get a much wider range of participants and more participants. So I think that ASCII has done some really great innovation here and it's well worth listening to the approach that they've taken. All right, let's talk to the team. Welcome to the Fireside with Box Gig podcast, talking about developer relations. Today, we are talking to askui.com, and we actually have two guests, Johannes and Apurva. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about Askui and developer relations. Welcome, welcome. Hello, Richard. Awesome. Hi, Richard. Uh, hi, how are you doing? Okay, so first of all, I think we are going to approach this one uh, as a kind of a case study of AskUI, because your product, and you, you'll have to go through it and explain it to us uh, in detail in a minute, but your product is very much aimed at developers. Um, so you sell by doing developer, by executing on developer relations really, really well. Um, so I think for this one, it makes sense to really do a deep dive into the nature of the product, the specific challenges that generates um, and how you guys are doing. Uh, and I'm really, really fascinated to, kind of really fascinated to get into it because you're not just doing an API, but I will let, um, I will let you guys explain. So first of all, what is AskUI? What does it do? So I will start with the product <laughs> description. That's what I do all the time. Apova can iterate on the community side because we have a, a active community there. So AskUI, I joined AskUI last September and it was really intriguing what AskUI is doing actually. There, so there are two parts to AskUI. First, we automate the operating system, like real mouse movement, real key presses, also recording your screen, what you see on the screen. And then there's another thing. So you have the end user interaction, so to say, like a real user would do it. And then you have the second part where we say, okay, when you want to automate something, the usual approach is we go over the structure. So if you're automating in a web browser, you go over the DOM tree, document object model tree, or if you automate something on Windows, you can extract something from the structure of your application. If you're going on Android, then you have the hierarchy, the few hierarchy it's called, I think. That's not what we are doing. We're actually recording the screen, trained a model, an AI model, to recognize all the elements on the screen. And then 
you can say, okay, I want to click the button that has the text login, for example. And what this enables is basically together with the operating system automation is that you test like a real human user would. And you can test stuff you can actually not test at the moment. For example, mobile apps or native Windows apps or legacy systems, like if you have a remote desktop in a browser where you can't really extract the structure of your of your application you're automating. So that's what Asker does. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I, I have worked with, with with tools previously, mostly with websites, right, where you have to specify the DOM structure. And of course, the moment you change your design, that's it, all your tests are broken. Um, and most people just give up. and They don't, they don't do that sort of testing or automation. Um, yeah, I really like the idea. I mean, this is an example of something that AI now enables, right? It's not, 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 not crazy <laughs> writing the entire code for your application, but something specific and vertical like this, right? Where, and can you specify the, the tests once and then they can basically be reused for different platforms? Yes, that's basically uh, the promise. <laughs> that is very cool. Uh, if it holds true, so if you have a single page application and you can use it as an app in a few and few, and it looks the same and the, the buttons don't change too much, much or the text fields don't change too much the user interface you would say then you can reuse it so you can use one tool to automate everything so who, who do you guys, how do you guys make money who do you sell to yeah that that's that's an interesting question and so it started out uh, two years back with a tool our cto said yeah i just needed this tool all my life and now we're building it and we started out as a testing tool as a no code testing tool then we changed to a code tool. It's like JavaScript, TypeScript ecosystem. And now we're building again a no-code tool because we saw, okay, individual developers um, have a hard time selling this to someone. And at the moment we're targeting uh, enterprises. Okay, so do you, do, you, do you look to get the developer in the enterprise to start using it and then recommend it to their boss or do you sell directly to the boss? I would say it's both. So we have a lot of okay. people coming in. Hey, that's interesting. I could automate stuff I, I couldn't before. And then they're building a proof of concept and then going to the to their superior CTO manager. That's how it works. And we also do sales, of course. What strikes me as a challenge for Ask UI is that, for example, if I'm trying to choose a payment provider, uh, I already know the... The, the value proposition is already there, right? It's clear that I want to be able to take credit card payments. So um, I know that I'm going to be using an API or a credit card widget or something like that. With, with you guys, um, I, have to, I have to install uh, your solution first, don't I? And I actually have to use it to really see the value. That's, and that's a challenge, right? Isn't it? Because you, unless you can get it into onto the developer's machine, it's very hard to for them to understand what it, the value that it provides. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And we are still working on that because automating operating systems is not as easy as it sounds. For example, if you're on macOS, there's macOS is very restrictive with the rights of screen recording and accessibility we have to grant our so-called ui controller the, the rights and there are also specific things you have to 
have to remind yourself about the different platforms like Android, Linux, Windows. Yeah, and that's why you're building the no-code tool to make this a little bit easier. But um, I'm I'm constantly on the on the lookout for pain points. That's what I do all the time, and trying to help our developers, our users with documentation. Yeah, because it's it's there's a there's a slightly more difficult pathway, right? I can't just go to your website and sign up and then I'm sort of done, right? I need to I need to install it and I need to run it a little bit. Um, but that sounds like something that I, I'm just running myself locally. So, do you have a hosted part of the of, yeah, of the product? How does that work? Not anymore. At the moment, it's really local installation. That's what you do. You have to install it on on the system you want to automate. Basically, if it can also be a remote system, can uh, it's a, installed as a web service. So, yeah, you you have to install it basically. Okay, and is the the piece that you install open source or is that closed source? Sorry, sorry. I mean, I, I, could I just yeah. install it locally and then not pay you, for example? <laughs> yeah, the the problem is always with uh, AI that you have a big model there, like gigabytes right. of training data, and and the model has to run somewhere. It's at the moment we cannot run it on on your local machine, so you have to connect to our cloud environment. But actually, it's uh, wow. for 500 uh, instructions, we call it. It's, it's free. You can try it out. And we also have a Gitpod repository. Just want to plug in here, Gitpod here because it's such a, such a great thing. Shout out to that community and that product um, where you can just spin up a Gitpod cloud environment and see how Asuka works without registering or logging in. Okay. Up for us. okay, so I get it, right? So there's, there is a local tool, but it's actually useless without your hosted yeah AI at model. the moment but we are based in germany and enterprises always demand yeah we need to host it on premise because of <laughs> yes. data privacy european data privacy regulations yeah okay so you probably you also provide an on-premise solution then with the whole thing hopefully yes yeah. okay cool so um let's so so clearly i mean you need to get developers on side you've already said um getting developers to use it at first is one of your routes to market. Um, even if you go to the big boss, the big boss will certainly, I'm sure, ask their developers to evaluate what you're doing. But your solution is, there's a little bit of complexity. So how have you, how have you developed your developer relations strategy to overcome those challenges? Um, yeah. So the, the first thing when I joined was, okay, we are not represented enough so there's this i think it's called awareness i always get this wrong so you have awareness and then some on the developer journey they have to know that you're there that's what i'm working on and then i realized okay we need better docs for example we need more explanations on how we work that's and at the moment i'm focusing on this we are not at the the scale phase i would say like someone says yeah that's the right solution i want to roll it out to every system we have that's uh, not very at right now and are you guys doing things like uh you know community building or sponsoring open source or that sort of stuff yeah that that's where apova comes in ah okay <laughs> yes absolutely so um richard when i joined um uh before Johannes did. Uh, there was a community that we started um, called Automation Advocates. 
uh, we are now on Discord with more than uh, 1.5k um, members, uh, community members, and um, all of these members are either our users or have used our tool or are interested in using our tool or um, they are in generally interested in test automation so that they can learn with the new resources or they can learn new technologies that are come in, coming in the market. And uh, the community that um, uh, AskUI, you know, powered by AskUI, um, is um, giving the their members platform to um, a space basically to come and attend uh, the, uh, online meetups. We, uh, myself, I'm the manager of the community and uh, Johannes takes the workshop, uh, conducts workshop every month uh, with the community members. We get around uh, uh, 60 to 70 um, members participation each time for each event. And through these events, basically the members will impart um, and use um, uh, somehow get the get a, get their hands on um, the tool and give us feedbacks. Um, we also try to um, uh, get good speakers uh, who are in the test automation industry, so that they can share their uh, experiences, their insights um, in um, sharing knowledge uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, generally sharing resources to the uh, to the participants or um, or the mem mem members of the community. So um, uh, it's it's like the the community stands strong and uh, we are growing each day. Uh, just yesterday we had a no code um, uh, tool gl glimpse of the no code tool uh, workshop um, uh, facilitated by Johannes. And um, uh, yeah, so each each month there's three to four events that we host uh, on demand as well as on um, on um, uh, the, the 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 latest you know uh, what whatever um, uh, is going on in in the market uh, trending. We just make sure our members get their hands on of that. That is uh, a lot of activity, um, I, which is quite, which is quite great for for. I mean, you guys are still kind of an early stage startup, so to have developed your communities to that level already is really cool. When it comes to running the Discord community, um, do you have any insights for people who are thinking of running one? So, do you have a schedule of of kind of monthly activities? Like, who checks in each day? Do, how do you do moderation? Do you have a, a specific approach to keeping that community healthy? Um, yes, uh, we, you know, we we tend to be more organized in a way that um, we have our own schedule of posts that we want to share it with the members each day. Um, uh, there's this virtual coffee meet, which is irrespective of any technical topic. You just come in um, uh, each month. Uh, talk to the fellow participants, get to know each other, make friends, make connections, um, get you make use of that platform to um, learn something new or maybe share share something that you've recently discovered or learned uh, with the other members. So we have uh, definitely um, created schedule of posts, schedule of activities. 
um, and um, uh, moderate that every day. Uh, when you know Johannes and myself, um, as well as we have another colleague, uh, Ron, uh, shout out to you as well. <laughs> uh, um, all three of us basically just um, uh, be there for the community members, dedicatedly giving resources, sharing sharing the insights, uh, bringing the top speakers from across the globe to talk um, uh, on the topics they request, the members request us to. And um, uh, yeah, that's how we basically do. But uh, initially when uh, we started with the community, we, we were on the platform Slack. And um, when we migrated to Discord, there were uh, a few, you know, every time when you see there's, when you start using a new tool there, the, the, the balance becomes disbalance. <laughs> the balance of yeah. the whole thing uh, changes. And um, uh, initially there were those days, but we, we were consistently uh, providing to our community members and uh, uh, thanks to the uh, consistency that our team has given and um, even the members were uh, there since this starting and uh, just growing. So uh, yeah, I think the the main goal is to um, take the community um, uh, along with uh, the company's growth. You you just can't leave the members who who were there initially to uh, not provide and not give them the support they need uh, when the time yeah. is right. Yeah, because they at the early days they were part of the, <laughs> they're the reason. The company of is course. It Absolutely. sounds like um, it's a lot of hard work. You can't just, you know, have a, a Discord server and that's it. And just, you know, everybody talk amongst themselves. Uh, all of you are putting in three. That's three people are putting in significant uh, moderatorship and activity into that community to keep it healthy. Right. Um, the other interesting thing uh, that you mentioned, which um, has come up a few times with other guests is Slack versus Discord for community, for com kind of community chat and, and online communities. So you, you guys were originally using Slack and then you moved to Discord. So I'm interested in that. Why, why the decision to move? Um, the, the decision actually was based on a lot of data, a lot of uh, surveys that we conducted uh, to our participants and the members, uh, active members of the community. Uh, but, you know, the uh, it's always like you need to make changes in your um, in your life to in order to find out what fits. Right. Right. So for yeah. us. Yes. So for us, Slack was there, uh, but it wasn't that right fit. We were targeting the the target audience for us were developers and who are um, constantly building apps or uh, the testers who are constantly trying to test something new out of curiosity. So um, looking at the target audience, we decided to let's, you know, try and change our approach try a different platform and uh, let's since we we were an early stage startup startup even back then uh, we thought of taking the risk and it works works out for us and um, and that's why we are now on discord but we we just don't know if this is stable right <laughs> after yeah, a few yeah. months we decide to let's you know move on to discourse or something we, we just don't know but let's let's keep changing and trying things out 
what bet what fits best to us is what we're going to um, take in the end. So. Yeah, I think that's good advice and, and and quite brave as well to say let's move our whole community from from one uh, platform to another. So well done. I'm, I'm glad it worked. Um, before we came on, uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, you guys have had uh, quite a lot of success with hackathons. So do you want to talk about that, how you guys have used hackathons and um, how to run them really well and get great results from them? Absolutely. Um, actually, hackathons, we are still trying to learn to make uh, a biggest success um, in our events series uh, because it is also one a part of you know yearly or quarterly um, events uh, series that we do. Hackathon initially started last year uh, when we were a very small team um, of maybe five to six um, people overall. Johannes just joined the team back then, so he, he wasn't really uh, that uh, involved. But we did start out as a fresh company. People didn't know about it, about us um, a lot from across the globe. Um, we prepared the list of tasks that we want to, you know, the, initially what goal we want to achieve out of the hackathon. Um, or what, in general, why we are conducting the hackathon. So for us, the goal was to have more outreach. People should, even though it's just because of hackathon and just because they they will get a few bucks in their uh, pocket, they they are using our tool. Uh, let whatever be the reason, people should start using the tool in order to make um, uh, get idea what we are doing. So that was the goal uh, initially, and uh, we did have a good number of participants. Uh, we did get a lot of uh, results uh, out in the first time, after the first time. Um, there were uh, very much uh, interest from uh, across the globe, uh, majorly from Asia, from uh, the US, from Europe, everywhere uh, we had around more than 100 participations um, uh, and um, you know uh, those things keep kept us motivated because even though um, the goal was to to make more outreach it was also that you know we get more feedback so that we can keep improving our product and um, uh, Johannes um, uh, you can also pitch in how you felt how after the second hackathon we hosted um this uh, a few months back it was way more successful than the previous ones way more collaborative way more um the results were even better uh, the uh, the feedbacks were even more great um, we did get a lot of um, uh, self you know uh, help from various developers to our developers so that they can you know build the tool even better so, yeah, why don't you speak uh, about that, Johannes? What do you think of the, the latest results that we received? Yeah, as a, as a developer advocate, so you're advocating for your users or for your developers. Um, and you're always hungry for feedback. So And, and feedback is hard to get by, as, as any DevRel professional might know. So a lot of times, users just get frustrated and leave. Yeah, that, that's what developers usually do and myself included <laughs> when i try out a tool and i'm so frustrated i don't want to write a two-page essay on how the tool 
just sucks for me. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not yeah. what, I, what, yes. what, what <laughs> people usually do. So you're always always hungry for feedback because you need the feedback to compile it into a priority list and, and go to engineering to go to product and say, yeah, that's the main pain points. And the fun thing is a lot of lot of the times engineering isn't even aware that that is a pain point. So I remember a meeting where we where we talked to our AI model uh, team and. At the end of the meeting, uh, Johannes is actually the lead there. Said uh, that was that was really helpful to get the user user view, user user experience oh. in there. So that that was really helpful, Johannes. Thank you. And that's what what we as developer advocates actually need. So if we don't get feedback, that's yeah, that's not what you actually want. So a hackathon is is always nice. It's in, intensive. You get a lot of bug reports. You get a lot of suggestions, and you can can use this to make the product better for your users and that's uh, this, this, especially the second hackathon was a, a huge success in this way for us yeah it sounds like what you guys get out of it out of the hackathon is uh really intense really dense information back about the product and how people are using it uh, i remember running one myself years ago um for a Docker-based tool that we were building and people turned up with Linux machines and Windows machines and Macs. And of course we only built our product on Macs. So <laughs> it actually didn't work on Windows and sort of half worked on Linux. It was very embarrassing. Um, how, do you how do you deal with that? Because you know when people turn up to a hackathon, they've got this wide range of systems. Uh, did you validate that, that your tool worked quite well across a broad range of systems or did it show you interesting interesting bugs oh well there are lots of prerequisites needed uh, before yeah. the hackathon to make sure that you know uh, the the participants don't uh face issues during the um so it's also about the the time uh, you're giving to your developers to develop the whole tool or to develop their project. So we initially, we started off by giving only eight hours of time to for the, for the participants to develop and um, develop the project. It, and, you know, the, the, the drawback with those one day or a few hours of hackathon is that you can't really ensure that your participants will have you know it's not i mean it's not that traditional hackathon anymore earlier um, in those days when there were offline hackathons when there when people used to come on site be there for three days continuously without food i mean there were food of course given but you know uh, it sounded that it was more intense three days continuous hackathons it's no more the case anymore uh, these days i mean it's just people be wearing their own pajamas sitting chilling on their own sofa and coding for hours on their own time we give them the timeline uh, maybe 10 days or 20 days or depending on how the theme of the project is and we give them the prerequisites uh, telling them that you know when whatever they're doing, they need to do with the tool uh, that we provide, the library that we provide. Ask UI, build a project, uh, make it this theme. Uh, if there are more questions um, uh, during the time they are building, our developers are there 
during our business uh, hours to help them maybe get on a, a call with them just or create a thread uh, with their questions and we'll be there to help you. So it's all a lot of, prog uh, you know, a lot of step-by-step -step process and a lot of team dedication and hard work. And it's not definitely not a one person's or a one man army, um, army's job. It is the matter of um, uh, creating a whole structured project and running it um, in front of people around you this is really interesting so you you guys have you've reimagined sort of in-person hackathon or workshop that you'd see at a conference into a multi-day remote online event um, which sounds much less stressful um, did you guys come up with that idea yourselves did you see other people doing it um, was it just that you thought that was the only way to do it now post-covid how did it how did you come to the decision to, to run it in that way so um, I actually come from a background of hosting events. <laughs> even uh, even back then when I was a developer, I started my career as a developer and um, uh, I still was volunteering during my free time or my weekends time to host workshops or host hackathons, lead a, a meetup. So I have seen the pain points um, and struggles um, of these participants when we, you know, those were the days before COVID when I was there to help um, another, you know, lead or facilitator of the workshop or hackathon uh, to, you know, help them organize the hackathon. And I was able to see how people just left their, uh, you know, their home and came on, on site to code for three days, I was able to see them having dark circles. I know it's fun. Yeah. It, it's, it has a different kind of fun and, um, uh, you know, interest among people uh, or participants. But at the same time, it's also, you know, the when, when you see people are working from home on their own uh, sofa, you also want to have more, you know, relaxed way of, enjoying the competition that you're taking part in you we i mean when i joined asqi i made sure that we are not going to do the you know the authentic way of um, any event that we do so uh, you know i i spoke to jonas about it that you know we're not going to have an intense uh, three days or two days um, or any kind of hackathon like that and um, Jonas was so uh, supportive and he said, you, you know, do whatever you feel is good uh, and just try out if, if it works. It's definitely, um, uh, we, if it doesn't work, we'll improve or if it works, it's way better. So we planned in advance that it's going to be more relaxed. It's going to be more um, care for the people and not for, you know, uh, the time or uh, those things. So it was more uh, relaxed and flexible. Even I would highlight that the recent hackathon we did, we did have um, uh, the deadline uh, for example, you know, 10th of March, but we, because there were a few participants who requesting us to postpone a bit uh, for, for a day or two, we were able to do that because the participations matter to us more than the timeline and those things you know which are more strict 
So I just, um, I just love this. This is this is so cool. Um, I've never participated in a remote one, and I, I just think it's such a great idea. I, I'm going to be. Um, I have a few startup friends um, doing more tr- sort of traditional SaaS things with APIs and, and platforms. Who uh, I'm going I'm to be telling them about this idea because it sounds really, really cool and a much better experience than <laughs> my mine has been with uh, physical hackathons at conferences and stuff like that. Wow, uh, I'm really impressed. That is. That is just a fabulous idea, and and you know, just I guess kind of almost obvious, but um, it sounds really wonderful. How did you get the participants? Where did you find the participants? So participations from across the globe was uh, basically from word of mouth, from the advertisement we did, or f- from the you know network we built for, uh, through the community events. Yeah. So yeah. the com- community events played a major role in uh, in getting the participants because we, you know, until now, we are known by the people uh, who are in the top list of the test automation or testing industry. So we, you know, they know what ASUI does. They know what automation advocates are or who these people are. So those played a major role because they were the one who kept sharing uh, our hackathon post with across their network. And it helped us get, you know, uh, participants from across 69 countries. And it was one of the major success, I would say, uh, for our hackathon recently. That's amazing. Yeah, that is, that's fabulous. I think uh, Johannes and Apurvi, AskUI is uh, a model company for showing how a startup, an early stage startup, uh, can benefit, especially one focusing on developers, can benefit amazingly from uh, putting resources and time and strategic focus into developer relations um, and, and, and get these amazing results and engagement. Um, wow, it's, uh, it, it's really impressive. Thanks, Richard. I'm afraid we have we have run out of time, unfortunately. Um, I'd definitely like to go into all sorts of more details about the hackathons, but I think we have enough inspiration just from what we've already discussed and the results you've seen. Um, and certainly if you're listening to this, I'm thinking about emulating the, the this hackathon idea, I would say go for it. It sounds like it, sounds like it was a really, really big success. Johannes, thank you so much. It has been really great talking to you. Was Thank pleasure. you, Chut. Always pleasure, yes. <laughs> all right, all right. Best of luck, guys. We will we will keep an eye. AskUI.com. One to keep an eye on. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.